0: Becoming the first doctor in my family left me £85,000 in debt when I left medical school. A large part of how I repaid that £85,000 debt and got myself into the position today where I'm now debt free and working towards financial freedom was because of books. I listened and read to loads of books because although medical school taught me loads about becoming a doctor, as you would expect, it taught me absolutely nothing about how to manage my finances. And today, I'm going to go through my top three books for those just looking to get started, for those looking to get into investing, and the final book is just for anyone. If you've never read a personal finance book before, the last book is a great place for you to start. The medics money podcast helps doctors dentists and other professionals make better financial decisions hosted by myself dr tommy perkins a gp and by me dr ed Cantilow, a gp but also a chartered accountant and chartered tax advisor this podcast is for general information only and does not constitute any form of advice and tax allowances and rates are subject to change so top three books that you should seriously think about reading. In number one position for everybody who's just looking to get started is The Millionaire Next Door by Thomas Stanley. This book was originally published in 1996 and it's written for an American audience and it also has some slightly uncomfortable gender stereotypes in it. All of the millionaires are men and also something that particularly annoyed me was the emphasis on the traditional nuclear family, mom and dad. But we all have chips on our shoulder, right? Despite that, there are some incredibly valuable lessons in this book for everybody. And I wanna go through them with you today. So what Thomas Stanley did was survey millionaires in America to look for common habits and traits to see what made them millionaires. And what he found in short is that The millionaires are not who you think they are. They're not who society leads us to believe are millionaires. They're not driving around with diamonds on every part of their body. They're not driving around in Lamborghinis. And he identified seven key characteristics which kind of run through the whole book. Okay, so the first one is that millionaires live below their means. Something that we bang on about all the time, but essentially they spend less than they earn. And to work out how well you were doing relative to your income, Thomas worked out a score. He called this a prodigious accumulator of wealth or PAW or an under accumulator of wealth or UAW and basically just saying relative to your salary how much wealth did you have were you a prodigious accumulator PAW or under accumulator if you're a doctor you gotta read chapter 4 because it outlines the finances of two American doctors Dr. North who is a under accumulator of wealth and Dr. South, who is a prodigious accumulator of wealth. is something that every doctor needs to read. Just try not to cry when you see that an American doctor's salary in 1998 was at least triple a NHS consultant's salary today. We're not jealous at all as English doctors. Number two is that millionaires allocate their time and money efficiently in ways conducive to building wealth. Well what does that mean? Essentially it means millionaires budget, yep even millionaires need to budget, they have an emergency fund, yep even millionaires need an emergency fund, and they invest their money to build their wealth. The third trait that Stanley identified was that they believe financial independence is more important than displaying high social status. So For those not aware, financial independence means that you no longer need to work because your assets produce enough income to sustain you okay and if you're acting rich by buying things that you can't really afford expensive cars on finances massive houses but you're not actually rich you're never going to get to financial independence and if you love your job and you want to keep working 100 hour weeks until you die then you don't need to worry about financial dependence but for the rest of us it is definitely relevant and of course something that i said i'm working towards fourth thing Kind of interesting is that their parents of millionaires did not provide what Thomas Stanley calls economic outpatient care. An affluent parent gives money to an affluent child. If you do that, your children will become underachievers as well. This was definitely not a problem for me when I was growing up. But now I'm thinking, how do I manage this with my own children? And check out our YouTube video on how to teach your kids about money, because I think there's some valuable lessons on that. But that was quite interesting to me that when the people that became millionaires, they had not really much help from their parents, which is kind of good for those of us that didn't get much help. Another point related to children is that their children of millionaires become economically self-sufficient. And again, contrary to popular belief, giving too much money to children just damages their ability to succeed in life. And more often than not, it backfires in a negative way. So really interesting. Another characteristic that Thomas Stanley identified was that millionaires were proficient in targeting market opportunities. One of the best ways to make money is to sell products or services to those who already have money because often people that make stuff and supply stuff to affluent people become wealthy themselves. So I thought that was a pretty interesting point. Final point, again, interesting for doctors and it's gonna hurt if you are a doctor reading this chapter to be honest with you because millionaires choose the right occupation and this is not what you necessarily think, okay? So most millionaires make their money in boring industries like engineering, maintenance or restaurants. And interestingly, self-employed people are four times more likely to be millionaires than those who work for others. But those self-employed people have often taken a lot of punches and a rough road to reach that point so again i thought that was really interesting so the millionaire next door written a long time ago it's got some very uncomfortable stereotypes of the time but there's some absolutely key lessons in there for everyone who's just getting started with their finances okay next book smarter investing by tim hale now i don't see hardly anyone talking about this book i don't see hardly anyone recommending this book and I think I know why. It's pretty heavy going. It's largely evidence based, very well referenced. It's not particularly entertaining, but if you are looking to get started in investing, it's a great place to start. And you might be thinking, oh, well I could just read JL Collins' The Simple Path to Wealth, which is a great book, but essentially just repeats buy a low cost index fund many, many times and is a good book. But I found a little bit simple. Whereas Tim Hale's Smart Investing breaks it down and you can understand exactly why buying a low-cost, well-diversified index tracker held in a tax-efficient account such as an ISA is potentially a great solution, not advice. So if you want to understand the why, then this is a book for you, okay? And chapter two really sets out the whole book, okay? So he's got some great tips in there, okay? So tip number one, investing is a get-rich-slow process, okay? Investing, relies on compounding good returns over many, many years. Okay, it doesn't happen overnight. No one is getting rich with investing overnight, despite what the media will tell you. So plenty of people getting poor with investing overnight by not following what's in the book. Other tips, don't put all your eggs in one basket, something we talk about all the time. You need to diversify your investments to reduce your risk. Another really interesting point is that capturing the market return is a valid objective. This is another way of saying Tim Hale believes in passive, not active management. You can invest your money in funds and funds are a collection of investments all packaged into one nice neat package so that you can invest easily. And you can invest in an active fund where a highly skilled and highly paid, using your money, manager, will try and select the best shares that perform the best for you. And you would think that that would be the best solution, but actually there's plenty of evidence out there now to say that active investing probably is not the best solution. And the opposite to active is passive investing where you simply buy an index. So you might buy a passive tracker that tracks the S&P 500, and that would just track the index. It won't sell or buy any shares that aren't in the index. It won't try and predict the future and it won't trade unnecessarily. And as I said, often passive strategy, just buying a low cost, globally diversified tracker works out the best. Another tip in this, just in the second chapter, it's an absolute belter of a chapter, if it looks too good to be true, it probably is. We've seen this so much recently with all of the hype around crypto, NFTs, etc. And you'll just see it again and again and again. Tomorrow there'll be another equivalent of NFTs, etc. So that's a great point. Investment costs truly matter. Again, kind of related to capturing the return is a valid objective. Investment costs really matter. How much you pay as an ongoing fee to hold those investments really mounts up and you need to have a really good reason if you're gonna pay over the odds. Okay, so something that I see people doing all the time, paying way too much for the investment costs. Final tip, which I think is pretty sage for those that have been investing a long time like me, Don't worry about what you can't control. Incredibly easy to say, sounds a bit trite in my opinion, but actually the longer you're in investing, the more you realize that what you can control is your savings rate, how much you put in, your asset allocation, your tax, how much tax you pay, But you cannot control lots of other things. You cannot control if the banks go on a run and all go broke. You cannot control if someone starts a war. You just can't control those factors. So you just gotta focus on what you can control, your savings rate, investing tax efficiently, getting a decent portfolio set up that matches your risk tolerance and your goals and don't worry about all that other stuff. As I say, very easy to say, takes a lot of experience to be able to do that. So smart investing, Tim Hale, I've no idea why it's not more popular, maybe because it is a bit heavy, it's very evidence-based, but if you wanna understand why holding a globally diversified index tracker in a tax advantaged account such as an ISA is potentially not advice a great idea then you need to check this book out it's also really uk-centric as well so if you're in the uk happy days. The final book in my opinion is for everybody if you've never read a personal finance book before or you start reading tim hale's smart investing and you just think oh my goodness this is so heavy what the hell is tommy talking about recommending me this book Head here instead. And you can see how much I love it by all the notes that I've got in there. The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. Okay, absolute modern classic in my opinion. And if Tim Hale's book is a how-to manual of investing, then this book is a why too. So Morgan Housel is a journalist who, interestingly, his dad was a doctor uh, that became disillusioned with medicine and quit on his own terms thanks to some smart financial decisions. The central theme of this book is that investing and finance is not the study of numbers it's a study of how people behave with money and by managing your money you can use this to build wealth and that wealth will allow you to buy back control of your own time something that i'm definitely working towards in the book houseall argues that you know your outcomes have a lot to do with luck and your experiences and the often quoted example here was that bill gates's school was one of the only schools in america that had a computer and therefore luck had a role in shaping. Bill Gates's future and I think we know how that one ends so hard to argue against that so just a great book in my opinion and really easy read broken down into nice little chapters and if you read this book and Smarter Investing by Tim Hale you'll have a really sound foundation to start your investing journey. Three books that helped me I hope that they help you let me know in the comments if you've got any other book recommendations thank you so much for watching